Futures Radio Show, sponsored by CME Group, the world's leading and most diverse futures and options exchange. CME Group's markets help individuals and businesses around the world effectively manage risk. For access to free educational tools and resources for the active individual trader, please visit activetrader.cmegroup.com. Every day, traders and investors dive in to tackle the ever-changing markets to find opportunity. Futures Radio Show is your number one source for answers to the questions that all market participants want to ask. Veteran futures trader Anthony Crudelli sits down with the most influential leaders and top traders in the industry. Now... Here's your host, Anthony Crudelli. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for our Best Moments episode. Remember, new shows are posted on Mondays and Thursdays. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes and YouTube. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Before I play today's interviews for you, I want to give a shout out to the great sponsors of Futures Radio Show. CME Group, Trading Technologies, FTSE Russell, RJO Futures, and Top Step Trader. To learn more about these sponsors and the important things they are doing for futures traders, be sure to click on their logos on futuresradioshow.com. So without further ado, let me take you right to the best moments. Are you still working while you're trading? I do, yes. I've recently managed to, to go part-time, but more about that later. Yeah, I do work. So you do still work, and you've been able to go from working a full-time job while trading to now working a part-time job now trading. That's great progress. Uh, talk to us a little, a little bit about what that process has been like for you working a full-time job, now a part-time job and trading. Yeah, great question. I'm, as you already mentioned, a lot of, a lot of your listeners, a lot of traders that do hold down a full-time job and try to punch, punch money out the market as well. It gets very quickly, very frustrating when a lot of moves happen and you're yeah, like on your desk and you can't catch them or you have a position open and you're in a meeting. It's a lot of conflict in your head. So I've created, I devised a sort of plan for myself that I can work around. It means my position still play out, my ideas still play out and I can go on and do the day job as a, as a, that I like as well. One of the probably core things I would say for me is to work for anybody is to have a, a, play, a plan in place by Sunday night. You want to you wanna have a look, if you're a Forex trader, we've got a calendar so you know when what's happening, what news are hitting the market, they're well scheduled so you can work, you can easily work around that. You know when those volatility pockets are exploding. And a lot of times when you do your recaps and your briefs, you know actually on those, on those news days which direction is moving as well. So a lot of prep work on Sunday night so you know you don't have to stare at your charts all day. You don't have to look at your phone all day because most people actually probably use the MT4s on their phones or um, check prices. That kind of takes that sort of stress away that you're missing out all day or the sort of formal you get when you, when you are full-time employed. You feel like you're not involved in the market. So a lot of my probably key cornerstone for me is to have good prep work done on Sunday. And then I just look for reactions, what happened in conjunctions with those news. That already takes probably the biggest um, roadblock away for anybody who wants to earn, living, earn a living working full time, but also make some extra money through their, through their trading business as well. 
it's one of the biggest thing I think that I always encountered. Another thing is when you are trying to manage your position, your full-time employee, the tricky bit is um, you don't want to get caught off guard by adverse news events. You don't want to get, um, you don't want to miss out on, on dips where you should be buying and stuff like that. Again, that's where the trading plan comes really handy because most of these things, those volatilities get created um, around the news announcements or to the run-up to those news because um, of market expectations. But that gives you a lot of that gives you a lot of mental ease to try to, to try to make it work for you. Let's talk a little bit about the growth of Bitcoin since futures started. What are you seeing? How how big has it gotten? So I mean, futures are anywhere from ten to thirty billion dollars a day, and basically, it's it's where the heart of trading is. So if, you know, Hong Kong has a lot of pe- a lot of hedge funds and traders and and speculators, and it's it's in 2017 the market was all about altcoins, and now it's all about derivatives. So people are looking at complex options trades or you know, futures trades going going long spot buying spot and selling futures, all these different types of strategies. And I think the beautiful thing about futures and derivatives is you can there's a much more rich and vibrant surface area of trades to make. So you can do something that isn't just I'm bullish Bitcoin, I'm gonna buy it. You can short, you can go long a spread, you can trade a spread. So that that creates a lot of new opportunities for people. And it also creates opportunities for people that aren't even in the trading world. Like we see a lot of miners in China uh, that that actually want to be long Bitcoin and they want to borrow borrow dollars to finance their mining operations. Um, so they'll they'll buy futures and and sell spot, or they'll go through lenders who are sourcing those 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 loans by buying futures and selling spot. And, and this is actually kind of counterintuitive because um, you would naturally think, well, miners would want to be basically flat delta and not not have any exposure to the thing that they're producing. But actually, miners in crypto are really doing this because they they love crypto and they they want to they, they see this as a way to acquire lots of crypto. And so in these in these types of places, they're they're usually borrowing dollars or borrowing tether in our case. Uh, and that's another thing I've seen as well, which is the growth of stable coins and stable coins being used in derivatives. So CoinFlex is the first crypto futures exchange that uses Tether as one of the legs of the settlement. So longs deliver Tether and, and receive Bitcoin and shorts do the opposite. And so that's another thing that's been incredible to see in the space growing is the use of these stable coins. Hey, everybody, I want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors. FTSE Russell. They are a leading global provider of benchmarks, analytics, and data solutions. The Russell 2000 Index is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 Index futures, contract symbol RTY. For more information on FTSE Russell and their products, please visit FTSERussell.com. Oh, they're absolutely customized to each market. Every market has their own set of characteristics, so even though that obviously certain indexes are, are, are going to be correlated, but um, you know, each market has its own set of specific characteristics or behaviors, especially in different environments. So 
uh, even though the underlying strategic philosophy might be the same, um, you know, we tune everything to, uh, you know, to different markets uh, and different frequencies. So, you know, for instance, some markets have, you know, more reverting characteristics than others or mo momentum characteristics, for instance, like the, you know, the S&P, you know, has more reverting characteristics than the NASDAQ. And that's kind of fundamentally justified as well. You know, the NASDAQ is, you know, made up more of a, of a single type of sector, whereas the S&P is made up of stocks from a bunch of different sectors. So that diverse, that diversification uh, increases reverting characteristics. Is there going to be a micro for crude oil? Yeah, well, I got to tell you, it's, uh, we're getting a lot of the same inbound graphic. And I think the, the success we're having and showing in the um, micro contracts and equities, and the, one of the advantages of being a multi-asset class exchange is great ideas get to travel across asset class. So we're hearing a lot of the same feedback. We're working on that. We're soliciting some intermediary feedback and, and user customers. And I will say that we will have a decision on that. But uh, we're hearing a lot of the same uh, energy and desire. So despite the fact that we do have a mini contract right now and we are seeing that grow, we are seeing a, a pretty healthy demand for what might be even smaller size contract as energy continues to be a great growth driver for us. So more to come on that. John, we hear so many people talk about the Dow, the S&P, the NASDAQ, but not nearly as often do we hear people talk about the Russell. And many would say that the Russell is more of a representative of U.S. economy than those indexes. It is. It's a domestic index. The 2,000 stocks are... U.S. stocks that, you know, there's there's talk of it being uh, tariff and trade war insulated. Well, it's a it's a perfect representation of a U.S. Uh, of the U.S. economy, and uh, it's getting it's starting to gain traction, as you can see, as volumes and open interest grow. Yeah, absolutely, it is. Uh, I've been getting more and more requests to do shows on the Russell and specifically the micro e mini Russell 2000 futures. What are your thoughts on how that has been for you guys? Well, first of all, the entire uh, uh, micro uh, suite of product that the CME launched, it is their most successful futures launch in the history of that exchange. And we're very excited to have the Russell 2000 Micro as part of that suite of product. The volumes have been tremendous. We're, we're very excited uh, to see the growth in the product. The neat thing is, you know, there's, there's kind of a retail uh, pr professional trader uh, interest in the product, but we also see the Russell 2000 Micro as being one of those products that you can really surgically hedge a derivatives portfolio of options uh, down to down to the pennies rather than uh, a large notional transaction. Sean, like I said, I've been getting a lot of requests to do more shows on the Russell. In just a few words, Sean. Why do you think that is? And, and give for those people out there that aren't trading the Russell reasons as to why they should take a look at that product. Russell 2000 is a representative of the U.S. market. It's a basket of 2,000 stocks. It's a volatile index. In, and I, when I say volatile, I mean healthy volatile. It's not crazy swings. Yes. And it's liquid. So you can get in and out of the market and have a really good experience trading the product. So it's tradable, it's liquid, it's a, a fantastic investment vehicle. So you have lots of order flow coming in and out of that market. And it's, it's a great experience. You, everyone should be taking a look at the Russell 2000 as a trading instrument. Tim, the micros are killing it, man. Talk to us about this. I mean, the micros have continued to surpass my and the team's wildest expectations. I mean, it's really been a lot of fun to watch. You know, to see where it grow when we launched those back in May of 
earlier this year, you know, we did a little over 310,000 contracts the first day, which was amazing. But now it's grown. We're doing about 560 or a little over 560,000 contracts per day to sort of see that growth where it's almost doubled, you know, in terms of average daily volume since we launched has, again, been a ton of fun to watch. It's great to see the reaction from the marketplace and from our customers. And I think really speaks to the fact that we delivered a product that the market wanted. Yeah, absolutely. Something that I'm curious about is have the micros kept up equally in terms of volume with, let's just say, so the S&P was the big boy, right? Yep. Then probably what, the NASDAQ, Correct. then the Dow, then, then the Russell. Is that the same from the E-mini, from the bigger products, kept up with the with the volume on the micros uh, percentage-wise? That's a great question. So what's been really interesting to watch is when we look at the classic or the traditional E-mini futures, typically the S&P 500 does about 65% of that volume, uh, NASDAQ doing about 25%, and then the Dow and the Russell 2000 kind of split the balance. What's interesting in the micro E-minis is NASDAQ proportionally is a bigger contributor to the volume. So S&P is only about 50%, NASDAQ is about 35% of the micro volume, and then similarly, the the Russell 2000 and the Dow kind of split the balance on the micros as well. But the fact that the NASDAQ is trading much more on a proportionate basis in the micros has been an interesting development to watch and I think really speaks to the attractiveness of the NASDAQ and the NASDAQ market in general for the active individual trader. Yeah, that's exactly what I was curious about. So the NASDAQ actually gained traction on the S&P and um, the other one, everything, everybody else stayed relatively the same. That's correct. And we still see like the NASDAQ 100 and the E-mini is also having a great year. You know, that was a record year for the NASDAQ 100 future back in 2018. So the NASDAQ in general remains strong, but just doing a little bit better on it in terms of proportionate basis for the micro. But the NASDAQ remains a red hot story for traders and for the marketplace. Last question before I let you go. Where are you seeing the most innovation and growth potential looking forward? Well, there is a huge amount of innovation going on because there is this uh, background context of investors around the world moving from an active to a passive type of investment process. And in line with that, we've had a lot of demand from customers to work with us to develop both single and multi-factor indexes because that's really where the dynamics are going. Uh, the, what people are calling smart beta, that's something that we're getting a, 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 lot of, uh, a lot of involvement with because customers are asking us to really develop new smart beta type of indices. We're also seeing a huge amount of development and interest in the sustainable investment uh, arena. Um, now, ESG and sustainability are obviously being driven a lot by the interest that there is around the world in the investment uh, process around climate risk and to see whether or not climate risk factors are things that investors should incorporate into the way that they invest and construct their portfolios. So that's another area that's been a real heavy driver of research and development. And the final piece is obviously in the fixed income space. You know, the move from active to passive doesn't just affect uh, equity index users. It's also in the fixed income arena. So our range of bond indexes uh, and fixed income analytics is something that's really been uh, helping us to have that uh, dialogue with our customers. Hey, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the show so far, but I want to pause and thank one of our sponsors, Trading Technologies. I started using TT in the year 2000, and I love it. It is by far the best trading platform I have ever used, and I've tried a lot of them. With TT, you can trade the global markets from virtually anywhere in the world. They are the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. I highly suggest you go try out TT, especially because you can try it for free. Just go to tryttnow.com and set up your account. 
going back to your trading days, I'm curious, what were the things that you watched to help you make a trade decision? You know, back then it was so much different, Anthony. Um, you're too young to remember, but back then it was a lot different. You know, we had the basic open outcry environment. We were landlocked into trading what we were trading at that given moment in time. So whatever quadrant or pit or ring, whatever uh, your listeners call it back from the day, because we all have a different yeah. phrase for what the trading arena open outcry was called. But in Chicago, we called them the trading pits. Um, you kind of only focused on that particular product. Today, you have the world at your fingertips and in front of you. So it's completely different. So I focused back then just on A, fundamentals, B, a little technicals, and C, a lot of gut feel. And, and you know, back then, I, you know, you could see guys when they were certain types of traders. They would be a two-lot, a five-lot, or a 50-lot trader. And if they were trading 100 or 200, you could tell that, this guy or this gal has gotten too many, you know, you bought or sold. Sweat. You can the sweat comes out in a hurry, right? So um, there was different ways to look at markets. Those are gone today. So you need to have, you know, your instincts got to be a little bit different, and you need to rely a little bit on more on technology, and uh, you information. You know, information used to be on the trading floor and flow out to the general public. Today, it's completely different. Information comes from around the world, and probably the last people to get it are traders on a trading floor that are still there. Well, Terry, you're a busy man, and it's always great to speak with you. So uh, last question before I let you go. We talked a lot about retail traders today, but let's talk about just new traders. What advice would you give to the new traders out there listening to this, beginning their careers as futures traders? You know, that's a great question, Anthony. And I've said this for a long time only because I unfortunately saw this in early in my career. And, you know, you think you have a lot of the answers, and you make decisions based on that and it can go wrong and um it's a lack of discipline and i i lost i you know went broke uh, early on in my career and i was fortunate enough to rebuild myself uh, over a number of period of years but i didn't have the discipline that i needed back in the early 80s to participate in the marketplace so i love new traders i love talking to new participants i like talking to university students about a whole host of things in life and i think when it comes back to either trading or just trying to advance in any career that you may have, whether it's legal, whether it's doing anything in life. If you don't have discipline, you're probably not going to be successful. So I would tell any new participant in the marketplace, you know what, be disciplined because there's an old saying in trading, when you make money, the feeling of making money is you're supposed to do it because it's your job. So it doesn't feel like you've really done and accomplished anything. When you lose money, it's the worst feeling God ever put on the planet because you lost money because that's your job and now you lost. So in order to accept those feelings and have a part of your trading decisions, you need to embrace discipline and say, okay, I made a trade, I made a dollar, I could have made five, but I made a dollar. Let's go on to the next trade and let's focus on that. I think too many people reminisce or think about what a coulda shouldas. What a coulda shoulda does nothing to put food or put your kids through school. So I think it's really important to stay very focused and disciplined on what is in front of you and don't get too far over your skis. Great advice, Tara. Now, normally I would ask people where uh, people can find them on Twitter. You're not on Twitter, Tara. No. Are you thinking about on, coming on anytime soon? I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on <laughs> Facebook. I'm not on, what's the other one? Instagram. I, I'm getting rid of my email. I'm getting rid of uh, my cell phone. I'm going to a flip phone. <laughs> I'm done. I think, we, I think we all need to learn how to communicate better in person. 
I love going to universities, talking to young people, and the best way to do that is to make sure you don't type it, you get out there and talk about it. Nobody has to be a professional speaker, you should just go out there and talk your mind, and I think we can, again, embrace society and make it go forward instead of hiding behind screens or social media. I'm not, I understand the benefits of social media, but in all due respect, I think we've relied on it a little bit too much, and I would hope that more people that are listening to your show will focus more on, if they're in trading, focus on trading. Don't focus on a tweet that somebody else supposedly did in the marketplace and you should do the same thing because how do you know, how, what's the, wh how viable is that tweet even on uh, the marketplace and why are they the experts? So, you know, Anthony, there's a reason why I, I think it's appropriate for me not to be involved in any of that stuff. You know, again, I think it takes away from the credibility of the institution. Like I said, we're a neutral facilitator of risk. I do not give my opinions on the overall marketplace. I, I don't think it's my place to do it. I'm there to manage the risk of the participants. So I stay away from that type of activity and I try to just stay focused on running the business. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for myself or my guests, please visit futuresradioshow.com and sign up to be a premium member for free. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes.